Welcome to CT Church. This message was recorded during our Sunday service. We hope you enjoy this presentation. We had a, a really good time uh, this summer with our Summer U classes. And there was one class that there was a lot of buzz about. And it's a class that has been taught before. And, uh, and I was a little hesitant to teach it again. Uh, or to have it taught again, because I thought, well, I know a lot of folks took it last time, but there were a lot who were really interested in it. And that was the class on fasting. And we used a, uh, a book entitled Fasting by uh, Jensen Franklin. And I highly, highly, highly recommend that book. Uh, it's, a, it's just a wonderful, wonderful book. And matter of fact, uh, I am I, I, using quite a bit of his book in my message here this morning. I mean, know there's nothing new under the sun. And so uh, I gleaned a lot. I started to read this book. As they were taking the class, I was reading the book too. And uh, as I was reading the book, I kind of felt the Holy Spirit nudging me, preach it. Preach it. You need to preach it. And I thought, well, we'll see. Uh, you know, maybe I'll, I'll pray about it a little bit more. Well, then more confirmation started to come. So uh, Marilyn Barreto and I were standing in the hall one day, and we were talking, and she said, man, this fasting class is just so wonderful. You know, this needs to be preached in the church. <laughs> so I thought, well, maybe, maybe, maybe I should. Maybe that's what the Lord is doing. And then uh, you know, Pastor Doug preached the two-part series on prayer. And the Holy Spirit was like, and then Pastor Doug mentioned September is prayer emphasis month. And then the Holy Spirit was saying, shall I go on? Or are you going to do it? And so I was like, yes, Lord, I'm going to preach on fasting. And so this morning, I want to preach to you a sermon that I've simply entitled Fasting 101. And so we're going to lay a little groundwork this morning. And as we do that, I want to first uh, start with opening in prayer. So let's just pray. Father, we thank you this morning for this privilege that we have to gather together, Lord, in your name, to be in your house. Lord, I thank you for the privilege, the great honor it is to stand here behind this sacred desk, Lord, and to preach your word. God, I'm asking you to use me this morning to work through me. Anoint my lips, Lord. I'm asking for the anointing of the Holy Spirit to say what you want to say to your people. God, I pray that you would minister to each and every one that is here. Give revelation, give understanding, God, this morning. God, that as we leave your house, that we would not leave the same as we entered, but God, that you would do just an, a work that would last for all of eternity. We thank you. We give you praise and glory. Your name Amen. Amen. So let's lay a little groundwork here first this morning. Uh, first of all, what, uh, what, is, what is fasting all about? Well, to know what it's all about, let's first see what fasting is not. So fasting is not just going without food for a certain period of time. That's called dieting or starvation or something like that. That's not fasting, just going without food. How many of you have uh, you know, you've been busy doing something during the day. Before you know it, it's past lunchtime, it's evening. You didn't even eat lunch. 
And you look back and say, man, I didn't even eat lunch today. Hey, I fasted today. No, 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 no. You didn't, you didn't fast today. You just got so busy that we forgot uh, to eat our lunch. And so fasting is not uh, just going without food for a certain period of time. Fasting is not something that's only done by fanatics. Oh, that's for those radical Christians. That's for those ones that, man, they just, they're so in love with the Lord that, man, they just, they can't help but fast. That's for those radical monks that are holed away in a cave somewhere in a hillside. You know, those real religious people. No, fasting is not just for fanatics this morning. Fasting is not just limited to pastors or to ministers. Sometimes people will think that. Oh, well, fasting, that's something that, that the preacher does so that he can hear from God and what God wants to say. There's truth in that. But fasting is not limited to just pastors or to ministers. It's not limited to just special occasions. Biblical fasting this morning simply stated, biblical fasting is refraining from food for a spiritual purpose. That's what biblical fasting is. Refraining from food for a spiritual purpose. Scripture this morning, uh, it contains three different types of fasts. And I want to look at those three different types of fasts. We're laying groundwork here this morning. And so uh, the first fast that is uh, talked about in Scripture is called the absolute fast. The absolute fast, which is no food and no water. As I take a drink of water. And I know, just as I got up here this morning and mentioned the word fasting, some of y'all's stomachs started doing somersaults, right? Just at the minute, oh, he said fasting, and everything's flipping out in there. You got super hungry. You're like, man, I got to get something to eat. Talking about fasting. <laughs> the absolute fast. No food, no water. Acts chapter 9, verse 9, Paul went on a three-day fast, and the scripture says that he had no food and no drink. Also in Esther, Esther chapter 4, verses 15 and 16, Esther had called a three-day fast, and they did not eat or drink. And so throughout the Bible, you can see where there were fasts that were absolute fasts. There's also the regular fast. Traditionally, a regular fast means refraining from eating all food. Most people still drink water. Some will have juice, sometimes broth of a, of a soup, something like that. But this is kind of a traditional fast where you fast no food and uh, you just drink water, especially here in Texas. I don't know exactly how long you're going to last, especially if you work outdoors and you say, I'm doing an absolute fast in the middle of August when it's 104 outside and the heat index is 107. No water for me. We're probably going to be picking you up with a spatula off of the sidewalk. It's not going to be pretty. And so regular fast. This is what uh, when Jesus fasted in the desert, the Bible says that after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The Bible doesn't say anything about him being thirsty. And so most scholars believe that Jesus, uh, during that 40-day fast, drank water. Now, I've known some folks that have, 
done a 40-day fast, that have done a 30-day fast. And I want to tell you, that is something that is God-ordained supernatural. That's not something that we just wake up one day and say, you know what? I'm going 40 days. That's it. No food for me, 40 days. No, that's, it's got to be God-ordained. That's a supernatural, supernatural thing. And, it's, and when you talk to folks that have uh, done a 40-day or 30-day fast, they'll tell you, you know, after the third day or so, I wasn't even hungry anymore. God was just sustaining me. God was just helping me. And so that's a regular fast. Then there's the partial fast. This type of fast generally refers to omitting a specific meal from your diet or refraining from certain foods. Daniel chapter 10, verses 2 and 3 says, At that time, I, Daniel, mourned for three weeks. I ate no choice food. No meat or wine touched my lips, and I used no lotions at all until the three weeks were over. So this, the Daniel fast, how many have heard of the Daniel fast? It's the popular one. And so uh, this is no, no meats and, and that kind of thing, but you're still eating vegetables and, and uh, things like that. And so this would be considered um, a partial fast. You know, the length of time that you fast, it'll vary. You know, some folks will go from sunup to sundown, and then they'll eat dinner. Some will fast one meal. Some will fast a full day. Three days, 10 days, 21 days. Some people will fast certain foods that they are not going to eat. What we need to understand is that there's no real formula to determine what fast is right for you. Don't get bogged down with this. You need to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit and what God wants you to do. Also, you need to use wisdom when fasting. If you're taking medications and the medications say must be taken with food, well, I'm going on a fast. And God's just going to sustain me and God's just going to help me. No, we need to use wisdom. We need to use wisdom. If you're considering uh, a fast like that and, uh, and you're on certain medications, it's good to consult your doctor, consult your physician, tell them what you're thinking about doing and get his input and his advice on that. He may tell you, um, that's all right to fast and take your medication uh, with juice or with a broth or, with, or something like that. Some folks can't go without food at all because of medical conditions. Man, what am I supposed to do? I want to fast. You know, there's other things that we can fast from besides food. There are other things we can fast from besides food. If every day when you get home and you get through the front door and the first thing you do is turn on your TV, you might be addicted. <laughs> you, might, you might be addicted. You know, so maybe a fast from technology. Maybe a fast from video games. Yeah, I have a tendency to stay up until about 3, 4 in the morning, and then when I got to get up at 6 for work, it's really difficult. I don't understand why. Maybe it's video games to fast from. That's between you and God and what God is speaking to you. But I do believe that we can, you know, some folks, it's coffee. 
That's touching the holy cow now. <laughs> Did you say coffee? No coffee? Yes, no coffee. Maybe you would say, you know what, Lord? I'm fasting from coffee. Giving it up for a month. Giving it up for two months. Whatever it might be. The Holy Spirit will stir us, and he'll give us direction and guidance. Now, which brings me to a great point. Without being combined with prayer, you're just starving yourself. Fasting without being combined with prayer is just simply starvation. The time you would be eating, pray. The time that you would normally sit down and have your breakfast, your lunch, your dinner, whatever meal you're fasting or however you're doing it, set aside the time to pray. You feel like you're not going to make it? Pray. All you can think about is food? Pray. One of the most spiritual things you can do as a Christian is fast and pray. But when you're doing it, you feel the most unspiritual. Because King Stomach is telling you, man, you got to put some food in this thing. And all you can think about is food. And we think, man, I'm dedicating this time to fasting and prayer. And all I can think about is driving through McDonald's and picking up a 10-piece nuggets with a large fry and large Coke. That's all I can think about. I'm not spiritual. I, I can only think about food. But that's what we're doing is we're disciplining our flesh. You can make it. Pray, pray, and pray. Why should we fast? I want to tell you, fasting truly is a secret source of power. There's a quote in the fasting book by Jensen Franklin. As a believer, you can pray, read your Bible, and go to church week after week and still be losing sight of your first love. You can pray, you can give, you can come to church, read your Bible, and still be losing sight of your first love. Not saying that you don't love the Lord, but the busyness of life can bring you to the point of losing your freshness, your enthusiasm, your sensitivity to the Holy Spirit, the leading of the Holy Spirit. We can become numb bogged down by the busyness of life. The discipline of fasting, it will humble you and remind you of your dependency on God. It will bring you back to your first love. It causes your relationship with God to go deeper when we fast. I know if it's been a while since I've fasted, I can tell. I'm losing that freshness. I'm losing that edge. I seem to be struggling a little bit more. Temptations, different things that are coming seem to be a little bit harder to resist. I don't feel as close to God as I did before. And I'm starting to lose sight. And I say, wow, you know what? It's been, it's been a while since I've fasted. Maybe I need to set aside some time to fast and to pray. Fasting, it's a discipline. It's telling your flesh, 
You don't control me. I control you. We in America are controlled by our appetites. And I'm not just talking about food here. We're controlled by our appetites. Yes, our food. I mean, it's, sometimes we'll be at the house, and it just feels like we're preparing meal after meal after meal. You know what I mean? It's like, okay, so what are we going to eat for lunch? Uh, well, we'll make this. Okay, what about dinner? What are we making for dinner? Okay, and then what about breakfast? It just feels like our lives just revolve around food all the time. I'm hungry. I need a snack. And let's run to the corner store and get us a pint of two-step Bluebell ice cream. That stuff is amazing. True confession, I love mint chocolate chip ice cream. And so the girls were not at the house. They were staying with Sarah. This was about a month back. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to go to Walgreens, and I'm going to get me a little pint of mint chocolate chip ice cream. Love that stuff. So I get to Walgreens, and Satan got there before me, and he put a little sticker on the window. It said, two for five. (laughs) So, I mean, why are you going to buy one when you can have two for five, right? So Pastor John Van Pay from Gateway is always posting about this Texas two-step bluebell ice cream. So there was a pint of that. I thought I'm going to try, try it out. Man, oh, man. It has chocolate chip cookie dough in it, and it has, you know, like Oreo cookies, cookies and cream in it with vanilla ice cream. I mean, you get the best of everything in that. And so now, to continue on with the sermon on fasting. (laughs) Fasting is a discipline. We can be controlled by our appetites if we're not careful. We need to get to a place where we are so desperate for God, so desperate for Him, that we desire Him like we do Texas two-step ice cream. Whatever your favorite food is, barbecue, Chinese, I don't know, whatever it might be. But we need to get to a place where we're so desperate that we desire God more than food or drink. It blows my mind when I read the story of Esau and Jacob. How he sold his birthright for a bowl of soup, a bowl of stew. I mean, we would never do anything like that, right? But it blows my mind. I think, man, this guy, you talk about being controlled by King's stomach. He sold his birthright. He gave it all away just for food. And that's some serious desire. God wants us to desire him just like that. Fasting has always, always, always been a part of a normal relationship with God. Fasting has always been a part of a normal relationship with God. Every Christian, every believer, not convinced that it's for all believers? Well, I pray after this morning you will be. 
We're going to read this morning out of the Word of God. See, you didn't even think I was going to read out of the Bible this morning, did you? I was saving it. Matthew chapter 6. If you'll turn with me in your Bibles, your electronic devices, Matthew chapter 6. We're going to read several verses of Scripture here, and we're going to see what the Word of God has to say about fasting for Christians. So we're going to read uh, verses 1 through 6. And then we're going to jump down to verse 16. Take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward from your Father in heaven. Therefore, when you do a charitable deed, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory from men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But when you do a charitable deed... Do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, that your charitable deed may be uh, in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will himself reward you openly. And when you pray, you should not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, Go into your room, and when you have shut the door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place. Your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Verse 16, Moreover, when you fast, do not be like the hypocrites with a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces that they may appear to men to be fasting. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you fast, Anoint your head, wash your face, so that you do not appear to men to be fasting, but to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Jesus gives us three specific duties as Christians found in this text. First one is giving. It says, when you give, right? Not if you give, if you want to, if you should so decide to, when you, when you give. The next one is praying. Another duty to Christians. When you pray. And then he goes on to describe how we should pray. And the last one, when you fast. Just like giving and praying, fasting is a normal part, or should be a normal part, of a Christian's life. Wow. You know, when I read this fasting book, it started me thinking about the number three when I read these three duties as Christians. I started thinking about the number three. And so what things, the number three? Well, the first thing that came to mind was my favorite Chinese dish, Triple Delight. Remember, I'm reading a fasting book, okay? So the first thing came to my mind was triple delight. And then I thought about sitting around a campfire and eating that three ingredient. Mmm, you know what I'm talking about. Graham cracker, marshmallow, and chocolate. That's another big three right there. And then I thought about my favorite sports team, the San Antonio Spurs. Who can forget the big three? Tim Duncan, Tony Parker, and Manu Ginobili, right? So I thought about them. And then I thought, well, I should think about 
maybe a little more spiritual things. <laughs> and I realize that the number three has such great significance all throughout the Word of God. And I don't even have time to begin to scratch the surface. But I'm going to share a couple of things about the number three in the Bible. What did Solomon say about a cord? A threefold cord is not easily broken. He didn't say a twofold, a threefold cord. There were three apostles who were closest to Jesus Peter, James, and John. And then there's what we celebrated this morning the death and the resurrection of Christ. He was buried and he rose again after how many days? Three days. The number three. And then there's this kind of other really important one called the Trinity. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. All three. All three. See, all in Scripture, the number three represents divine wholeness, completeness, perfection. That's what the number three represents. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Completeness, wholeness, perfection. Think about that as we look at these three duties of every Christian. Giving, prayer, and fasting. See, Jesus has given us these three I believe, according to our text, that Jesus made it clear that as much attention should be given to fasting as is given to prayer and to giving. Just as important, could we be missing our greatest breakthrough, breakthrough because we fail to fast? I mean, prayer and giving, that's great. Those are wonderful things, and we should be doing those. But what about being combined with fasting? Could we be missing our greatest breakthrough? The battle we are in this morning is a spiritual one. We know this. That's what the Bible tells us, right? We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, right? But against principalities. We're in a spiritual battle. In Matthew chapter 17, Verses 20 and 21, Jesus says of this stubborn demon, you know, the disciples there, we can read that. It says, Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief, for assuredly I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. However, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. This is when the disciples tried to cast out the demon spirit and they couldn't do it. And they came to Jesus and they asked him, why? Why, Jesus? Why couldn't we do this? Why couldn't we cast it out? Because Jesus said this kind doesn't go out, but by prayer and fasting. This tells me that there's certain spiritual powers, demonic strongholds, that will only ever be overcome by fasting. And by overcoming unbelief, right? Those are the two that Jesus lists. There's a couple reasons, disciples, why you couldn't cast out the demon spirit. One, because of your lack of faith, because of your unbelief. 
And by the way, number two, this kind only comes out by prayer and fasting. So that tells me that there, you can pray and pray and pray and believe God. Have faith and believe that God's going to move. And you know what? Without prayer, without fasting, you're not going to see the breakthrough. Fasting will break the stronghold of demonic sexual addictions like pornography, homosexuality, adultery, fornication and lust. It'll break the stronghold of drugs, alcohol, numerous other addictions that are keeping us from a close relationship with him. Many good Christians are bound by addictions this morning. I dare say that there are some of you that are here this morning in this place that are bound by an addiction. And you pray, you get on your knees and you say, oh God, help me to not do this again. I don't want to do this anymore. And you cry out to God and you don't want to do it. And you're desperate for God to move. And you pray, and you pray, and you pray. But you know what? This addiction, this stronghold, this demonic spirit is only going to come out with fasting and prayer. Even You believe, yes, I believe that you believe that God can set you free, that God can help you. I know you believe that. But there are certain strongholds, certain demonic spirits that will only be overcome through fasting and prayer. God loves to come to our rescue when there's true confession, repentance, and a sincere desire to do what's right. God loves to come to our rescue. If you're in a desperate need of a breakthrough, I want to challenge you this morning. Fast. Please understand this morning what I'm saying. Fasting is not twisting God's arm. Okay? It's not twisting God's arm to get him to do what we want him to do. Rather, it's positioning ourselves and preparing ourselves for what is to come. Fasting and prayer does not change God. It changes us. That's why we do it. Not to change God. We can't twist God's arm. Your arms are too short to box with God. Fasting changes us. Every assignment has a birthplace. Do you want to hear the voice of God? Do you want to know Jesus more deeply? Do you want to know the direction that he desires for you to take in your life? I know I do. And I bet you've prayed that prayer before, much like me. God, I just want to be obedient to you. God, I'll do what you want me to do. God, I'll go where you want me to go. I just need you to make it clear to me. I want to make a right decision here. I want to be obedient. I want to be right smack dab in the middle of your will. You've prayed that prayer much like I have. God has specific assignments for each and every one of us for our lives. 
How do you discover them? How will you hear his voice? How will you know his will for your life, his plans for you? Who should I marry? Where should I live? What job should I take? What ministry is God calling me to do? These are all valid things, right? And you should be asking those questions. But I believe that the answer is found in Paul's appeal to the Romans, where he says, present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service, Romans 12.1. Present your bodies a living sacrifice. It's a sacrifice when we fast and when we pray. Why do we do this? So that we can know, so that we can hear from God. Remember the three Christian duties, giving, praying, fasting. That's how we present our bodies as living sacrifices. My money doesn't belong to me, God. I'm just a steward. God, I'm going to set aside time to pray each and every day so that I can know you in a closer, personal, intimate way. And God, I'm going to fast because, Lord, I desperately, desperately need to hear from you. You know, the longer I live and the more I study the Word of God, the more that I practice it, the more I'm convinced that we'll never walk in the perfect will of God until we seek Him through fasting. I'm convinced of it. I've tried to do it without it. I mean, let's face it. Who in here just says, man, I just can't wait until fasting until I can fast? Nobody, nobody's scrambling for their next time to fast. And so I get it, I understand. But I am convinced that we'll never walk in the perfect will of God until we seek Him through fasting because that element is missing from our lives. We've got the two, but we're missing the third. Fasting prepares the way for God to give you fresh revelation, fresh vision, and a clear purpose. It's a tremendous weapon, a source of power in the life of a believer. The purpose of all disciplines, including fasting, is to change us so that we can become more like Christ, right? That's why we do it. That's why we discipline ourselves. Let me tell you something about God. He loves nothing more than helping you do what you cannot do without Him. Right? God loves helping you do the things that you cannot do without Him. Overcoming addictions, the strongholds, the habits that you've been trying for years to break. God loves to come in and rescue and help us do what we cannot do without Him. Say, you know what, Lord, I've tried, and I can't do this. And so, Lord, I'm setting aside some time to fast 
and to pray because, God, I'm desperate. God, I need you to touch me. God, I need you to help me to overcome this. I've tried everything I know to do, and I cannot seem to break free. God, I have friends. I have family members that do not know you as Lord and Savior. And, God, I am desperate for them to come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. God, I'm desperate to do what you have called me to do. I know you put me here on this earth for a purpose and for a reason. And so, God, I'm desperate for you to know what it is you want me to do. And you know when God hears that, he says, all right, now we're talking. Let me get involved. Sometimes the answer doesn't come right away. Look at Daniel when he fasted for 21 days. When you read that scripture, he fasted, he prayed, and the Bible says that God heard his prayer and sent the answer the first day. But as this unnamed angel is coming to deliver the answer, Satan gets involved, and he opposes the angel that's coming, and the angel can't get through. So Daniel's still fasting. He's still praying for 21 days till the angel finally comes with his answer. The angel had to call for reinforcements. God sent an archangel. He said, all right, <laughs> you going to mess with me? Now we're going to pull out the big guns. And the answer comes through after 21 days. Sometimes the answer doesn't come right away. Sometimes it comes days, months, years later. Sometimes the answer isn't what we're hoping it's going to be. Remember, we can't twist God's arm. Okay, Lord, I'm going to fast and pray because this is what I need you to do. I need you to move in this area and do this and do that thing. Because, God, I know that this is what you want to do. It has to be. Are you sure? Sometimes it is a miracle of healing. Sometimes it's my grace is sufficient for you. That's why we fast. That's why we pray. To position ourselves for the answer that God has. Whether it's what we want or not. I'm sure Daniel would have loved to have had his answer after day one, two, or three instead of having to fast for 21 days before the answer came. But that's how it came. And nonetheless, it came. Because God heard his prayer and he sent the answer the first day. God's desire is for you to recognize your total dependency on him for your everything. Our total dependency on him for everything. Even more than all of that, God's desire is for you to recognize just how deep and how devoted his love is for you when you set yourself apart from your normal routine to spend more focused time with him. It moves his heart. It moves his hand. Amen.
God's desire is to move in our lives. But he's waiting to see how desperate we are for him to do it. I think it's clear that Scripture has laid out for us. This ought to be a normal part of every believer's life. We can all fast. We can all do this. I want to tell you the rewards that you... I mean, did did you... Scripture in Matthew... What did he say after all three? When you give, if you do it in a right way, what's going to happen? I'm going to reward you openly. When you pray, if you do it in the right way, I'm going to reward you openly. When you fast and you do it in the right way, not walking around, I'm fasting today. Hey, brother, are you okay? I'm fasting for the Lord. Bible says don't do it like that. When we fast in the right way, God says, I'm going to reward you openly. How's that for a promise? How's that for a guarantee? Amen. You have been listening to CT Church in San Antonio, Texas. This recording was presented in the context of our Sunday service. For more information, please visit us at ctagsa.com, connect with us on Facebook, or call us at 210-657-3578.